0: Well, happy 4th of July, Independence Day. This is Pastor Chris. And because we are having our gathering at the park, I have pre recorded this so that there would be a recording of the message shared during our time together. Our sermon today takes us to our fourth stop along the way in experiencing God, where we're looking specifically at the fact that God pursues a love relationship with you and with I. God pursues us for a love relationship. We are created for a love relationship. If there's one thing that all people need in life, that is love. Without love and loving relationships, we tend to feel lost, hopeless, unwanted, and well-unloved. In Max Lucado's book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, he recalls the story of Judith Bucknell. Judith was a 38-year-old, attractive, successful secretary. She lived in an upmarket area in Coconut Grove, Miami, in the United States. She wasn't a social outcast. She wasn't on drugs. And she kept fit and trim by jogging regularly. She hosted parties, wore designer clothes, and lived in a luxury apartment that overlooked the bay. Judith's dilemma was this. She had many acquaintances, but few true friends. It also happens that she had many lovers, 59 and 56 months, but she had little love. On June 9, 1980, Judith was tragically strangled and stabbed seven times. In the police record, she was homicide victim number 106. But for a diary that she left, she would have simply been forgotten. Here are two entries from that diary. Where are the men with flowers and music? Where are the men who ask for a genuine date? Men who would like to share more than my bed, my booze, and my food. I would like to have once in my life, before I pass through my life, the kind of relationship which is part of a loving relationship. In another entry, she wrote, I see people together and I'm so jealous. I want to throw up. Who is going to love Judy Bucknell? I feel so old, unloved, unwanted, abandoned, used up. I want to cry and sleep forever. I am alone. I want to share something with somebody. The despair that Judy Bucknell had was a despair that many thousands of people in this world today. The questions they ask are, what is the purpose of my life? Where will I find true love? The mistake that Judy made, and many the rest of us make, is that we look to define love apart from a relationship with the God who is love. Separated from the source of true love, the love that they find is conditional and capricious. Unable to define a godly love, most take their cues from a world that would define love as simply a biological phenomenon or a physical act that gives one pleasure. Without the anchor of God's love for them, too many people also suffer for lack of purpose. They blindly go through life seeking someone or something to provide their life with a firm foundation on which to build a legacy. Or they accumulate possessions and and a desire to cobble together a sense of meaning. Involved in this exhausting search for love, purpose, and meaning, men and women place their faith and trust in human philosophies and self-help formulas. They put their faith and trust in these things, only to find out somewhere down the track that they have been on the wrong path. So where do we find purpose and love? Well, the God who is love gives us instruction in his word, the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, We see that the Lord is our life, our purpose, to love and to listen and to remain with him in fellowship. Now choose life, he says, so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And in John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16, we see that God displayed his love for us through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, which makes eternal life possible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And in 1 John, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In Romans chapter 8, Verses 35, 37, and 39, we read that we become firmly rooted in the love of Christ and in doing so, nothing can separate us from God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, it reads. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, when we gathered together last Sunday, we talked about leading God-centered and God-serving lives, not self-centered and self-serving lives. And that means that our purpose in life is to be in proper relationship with God. We were created to be in love relationship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our relationship with him is meant to be the single most important aspect of our lives. And since this is Independence Day, I feel I need to say something related to this holiday, and this is a good place to do so, when we are considering what it means to be in right relationship to God and to others. God should be our center, not our selfish desires, perhaps even neatly camouflaged in patriotic-sounding language about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You see, anyone that claims to be a patriotic American and understands the Judeo-Christian ideals that our country was founded on, but takes that as license to exercise their freedom in a way that takes no consideration of their duty to their fellow man, demanding that other makes others make sacrifices so that they can maintain a position of privilege, well, they have veered away from the legacy of those that signed that original Declaration of Independence. Yes, America was founded to be a free nation independent from the monarchy of England and its capricious king, and brave patriots fought a revolution to ensure that a democratic republic would esteem life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But all of this occurred on the much larger backdrop of selfless service and love of neighbor. Consider this. All the 56 who signed the Declaration of Independence made sacrifices. As the concluding words of the Declaration state, For the support of this Declaration, and with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Allow me to share some examples of their sacrifices. Carter Braxton. Carter Braxton of Virginia was a prosperous planner and trader. His ships were destroyed by the British Navy. He lost his home to pay off his debts and he died in poverty. Thomas McKean of Delaware was harassed mercilessly. His family went into hiding during the war, moving about multiple times. He served in Congress without pay and died in poverty. Thomas Nelson Jr. of Virginia, he put up his home as collateral to raise $2 million for French allies. The struggling French government was unable to pay back the loans and Nelson's entire state was wiped out. Francis Lewis of New York. He had his wife imprisoned by the British where she died. In addition, he lost his home and everything in it. Judge Richard Stockton. He was taken from his bed in the middle of the night and beaten by British soldiers followed by imprisonment and starvation. His home and all his possessions were destroyed, forcing him and his family to live off of charity. John Hart, he had to leave his dying wife's bedside, and his 13 children ran off in various directions to flee the British. For more than a year, he lived in caves and forests. He returned home to find his wife dead, his children missing, and all of his property gone. He died shortly after of physical and mental exhaustion and quite possibly a broken heart. Five of the 56 were captured themselves by the British and tortured. 12 lost their homes through looting, confiscation, or arson by the British. 17 lost their fortunes and nine lost their lives. Were they perfect people? be signers of the Declaration of Independence? No. No, they were sinful men under tremendous stress and they were a product of their times. Now there's a growing movement that would reframe the sacrifices of these men and their families in light of their perceived failings, laying at their feet the responsibility for creating a system meant to oppress anyone who did not share their European ancestry. But just as painting these patriots as Christian saints is oversimplification, so is tarring them with the same brush and suggesting that they were all unredeemable races. What is true is that they helped start a work of liberty that is not yet fully accomplished, fully realized. There is still much work to do. God's call on their lives to love God and neighbor despite the cost is ours as well. So in that light, I want to ask you a question. How much of our lives are taken up trying to prove ourselves to God rather than simply enjoying our relationship with God? We are a doing and achievement oriented society. And many of us have that kind of bootstrap mentality. So when it comes to our relationship with God, we kind of think that we must be doing things in order to be of any use to God. The psalm that reads, be still and know that I am God. Really, God? I mean, how about I know you while I'm multitasking? But the truth is, we need to be still because stillness serves a purpose. Stillness reminds us that we don't have to prove our worth to God. God loves us, not for what we do, but who we are to him. Blackabee and King Wright, the scripture leads us to understand that God is saying, I want you to love me above everything else. When you are in that kind of relationship, to love with me, you have everything there is. So to be loved by God is the highest relationship, the highest achievement, the highest position in life. What this is saying is, be content. Be content in the loving relationship you have with God. When you serve him, do that out of a love relationship, not not out of a sense of proving yourself to God or some sense of duty. Let your fulfillment come from loving God. Let your service for God be an expression of the love relationship you have with him. Expanding on this Independence Day theme. You know, duty might bring you to the battle, but love, especially the love for the soldier on your right, go ahead and look to the person on your right. And for the soldier on your left, go ahead and look to the person that's on your left. That that love will sustain you through the fight. And our Christian discipleship is a fight. It's a battle against a spiritual enemy, as well as our flesh and a fallen world. Love. Love sustains because the source of love is an eternal God. And God loves you for who you are, not what you do. God didn't love you more when you were running the Sunday school or leading the church choir. God doesn't love you less in infirmity or old age or, well, you fill in the blank. You see, nothing you do or don't do changes how God loves you and not only does God love you but God pursues a love relationship with you. It's not a passive love, it's an active seeking redeeming love. Let's listen to Romans 3:10 through 12. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is not one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, Here you might be saying, hang on a second, how does that show God's love? Well, that passage lets us know our position. So we're under no illusion that our relationship with God is something of our own doing, that we are somehow attractive to God. No, this passage makes clear to us that there is no one righteous of their own merit, no one who understands spiritual things on their own, no one who seeks after God of their own initiative and no one who does good by their own efforts. So in this light, listen again to John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this is what we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. God pursued a loving relationship by sending his son for us. Listen also to John chapter 6 verses 44, 45, and 66. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him." So God, the Father, takes the initiative. He enables us to come to Jesus. He draws us to himself. As with the disciples, Jesus says to us, You did not choose me, but I have chosen you and appointed you. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. John 15, verses 16 and 19. God initiates and God seeks us out, giving us the ability to respond to his love. When Peter answered Jesus's question in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17 as to who they thought Jesus was, and Peter said, "You know, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus then made a significant statement. He said, Peter, this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. In essence, Jesus was saying, Peter, you could never have known and confessed that I am the Christ unless my Father had been working in you. He caused you to know who I am. You are responding to the Father's activity in your life. Folks, God is determined to love you and me he will not give up. If it had not been for God making himself known to you and pursuing you, you would never have become a Christian. God is in pursuit of men, women, and children all around us every day. Can we perceive that yearning for freedom and liberty with hearts tuned to God's Spirit? Those who need freedom from sin and guilt and shame and are seeking to be liberated from the oppression of trying to be good enough to be loved, accepted and worthy of relationship. If we ask to see Pasco, Richland, Kennewick, Benton City, this whole region as God sees it, well we'd see many people in the community that as you get to know them for whom God is working and pursuing an order that they would enter into the loving relationship he desires to have with them. That reality Brings to life for me that passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. God pursues a love relationship, and it's real, personal, and practical. From Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible, we see God relating to people in real. Personal and practical ways. I love what Blackaby and King write in Experiencing God, and I want to finish with this. They say, you know what? Love must be real and personal. A person cannot love without another someone to love. A love relationship with God takes place between two real beings. A relationship with God is real and personal. This has always been his desire. God is a person pouring his life into yours. If for some reason you cannot think of a time when your relationship to God has been real, personal, and practical, then you need to spend some time evaluating your relationship to him. That means going before the Lord in prayer, asking him to bring you into that kind of relationship, asking him to bring you into the kind of relationship with him that you have never previously experienced. And if in this process you perhaps realize that you've never entered into this kind of saving relationship, then... From your heart, commit your whole life to Christ. Not just your head, but your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole life. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, make this clear when Jesus commanded them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that you love us and that you pursue a love relationship with your people not just for a brief moment of decision, but for a lifetime. You seek us out for love and you continue to love us by constantly pursuing us. You want to spend time with us and show us the depths of your love for us, moving us to service and returning to you our love and devotion, partaking in your work in a world in need of your love, peace, and grace. For those that cannot identify a time in their lives where they started this type of loving relationship with you, Jesus, Hear their prayer. May they pray with me, saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turned from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I desire that loving relationship with you and your help to properly love myself and to love other people. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Having made this commitment, Lord, help each and every one of us make good use of the freedom we have in this beautiful country to worship freely, to love boldly, to serve in an attitude of self sacrifice that honors the sacrifices made by so many others that have come before, fought, and died for us, beneficiaries of their gift of patriotism all those years before. In the name of the Father, Son, And Holy Spirit, we pray, amen.